Last week, we introduced this series, Ghost Stories, about the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit is the wind of heaven and the presence of God. The Holy Spirit sometimes gets this bad rap of being spooky and mystical, but really it's God with us in his presence in our life. Now, in the Old Testament, God seemed far away and impersonal and, and just so big that we couldn't even wrap our minds around him. But because of the ministry of Jesus Christ on this earth and now the Holy Spirit, we know that God is, in fact, a personal God that wants to interact with us and have a relationship with us. Now we pray through Jesus to God with the power of the Holy Spirit. We no longer go to a priest or a temple. No, the Bible says that you, if you're a saved follower of Jesus Christ, then you are a royal priest and you and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing that you can go right up to this big God, boldly, the Bible says, and make your request known to him. And he loves you and he cares about you. But today we're going to talk about the first of the three ministries of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides, comforts, and corrects. Guides, comforts, and corrects. So today we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit is our guide. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit's ministry is not pointing to himself. The Holy Spirit's ministry is pointing to God and what Jesus did on the cross. He is equipped to guide us in the truth, like a crossing guard directing traffic. Remember that game when we were kids, Red Light, Green Light, where uh, whoever was the traffic light, right, they'd tell you to go or to stop or to go back or to slow down? Well, this is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to guide us, and he wants to say, hey, go, go. He wants to say, hey, stop, wait, slow down, go back. He wants to guide us, and the Holy Spirit is that traffic light, so to speak, for our lives. God did not intend you just to blindly go through life and, and just to uh, try and feel around to see which way that you should go and stumble through and just try your hardest. No, he left you a guide, and that guide is the Holy Spirit. And you can follow him for every step of your life. The Bible is full of examples of when the uh, Holy Spirit guided people. Acts 20, verse 22. Paul here says, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem... Why? Because he's constrained, he's guided by the Holy Spirit to do that, not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul in this passage says, the Holy Spirit's guiding me to go to Jerusalem even though I don't know what's going to happen to me because it's dangerous and people are trying to hurt me, they're trying to kill me and capture me. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. In Acts 16, the Holy Spirit told Paul to go to Macedonia and he had this 
just like super crazy coincidental, right? No, not really. But meet up with this uh, lady named Lydia, who was a seller of purple dye. And in that interaction, he was able to find someone that was searching for uh, answers and searching for the Messiah. And he witnessed to her. She got saved and the whole house got saved and a church was started in her home. And it was just this amazing interaction that was all guided by the Holy Spirit. God sent a messenger to guide Philip to the middle of nowhere to tell an Ethiopian man about Jesus. We see that in Acts 8.26. I love this story, partially because my name is Philip, uh, but it's just an awesome uh, interaction between uh, these two guys. And check it out. I'm at verse 26 in uh, Acts chapter 8. It says, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So God led him to a man that would maybe didn't have a background of serving the one true God, but God led Philip to this man that was reading the book of Isaiah, this prophecy about Jesus at just the right time. Verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? Now that's, that's can be a, a common thing that we see with people, right? Sometimes when they're reading the Bible, it's, it's not something that they're grasping. And sometimes they need somebody like you and like me to come alongside them and say, hey, let me give you the overall picture of what the Bible is all about. And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers, he is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself, about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. See, Philip was guided by the Holy Spirit, and then he was able to guide. Philip was able to be a guide to guide this Ethiopian man to Jesus. He found this man reading the Old Testament, and he didn't understand. He was able to jump in and tell him, hey, this Messiah that this prophecy is about has come, and his name is Jesus. And this was all set up by the Holy Spirit. So how many people are out there right now waiting for us to listen to the guide, the Holy Spirit guide us to say the words that we need to say and to jump in and to be bold and to say, hey, let me tell you about what Jesus really is about, about uh, about what the Bible says, who Jesus is. But how many people never hear because we're not being guided by the Holy Spirit and we're deaf to the voice of God's Spirit inside of us? See, part of the problem is, is we have such a low standard of what God wants to do in our life. 
and how God wants to use us. We think, oh, I don't know enough about the Bible, or maybe, man, I've got this sin in my past, or maybe even in my present, and I can't possibly step out and tell someone about Jesus. They know too much. But hey, it's not about you and how good you are. It's about how good God is. And it's an amazing thing to tell someone, hey, look, I don't have it all together. And I don't have all my ducks maybe in a row. And I've made some mistakes, but I know a God who loves me. And don't look at me. Let me show you what Jesus did for you. But we've got these low standards. And we think it's no big deal when we sin and we'll just go to God for forgiveness, right? And we kind of make plans in the future. Yeah, I know I'm about to get angry and maybe say some things that I shouldn't say, but God will forgive me, so I'll just go ahead and say it. But see, it's not the fact that maybe you tell a lie. That's just part of it. The other part of it is that you were not in that moment being guided by the Holy Spirit, and that's how you got yourself in that position. The Bible highlights this in Ephesians 5.18 when he says, Do not be drunk with wine. That is debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, not only is it a sin to be drunk, it's also a sin to not be filled with the Holy Spirit. God made us to be dead to sin and guided by the Spirit. Romans 6.1 tells us, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? It's okay to just continue to sin because God's grace is just so big, right? Is that what we should say? It says, by no means. If you have a sincere walk with God, how can you that are dead to sin still live in it? Is it okay just to sin because you know God's going to forgive you? No. No, God forbid. Sin should be dead to us, and we should be dead to sin. We've probably all seen in the apex of a movie where a father tragically says to his son, you're dead to me, right? What does that mean? It means I don't want a relationship with you anymore. I don't want you in my life. You might as well not exist. Don't ever come back. That's a tragic thing when a father says that to a son. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can say you're dead to me, to our sin and to our flesh. Not by our own power, but by his power. Sin, get out of my life. Don't come back. You're not welcome. Get out. That doesn't mean we'll be perfect, right? But if we will rely on the Holy Spirit, we can begin to sin less. We're not ever going to be sinless, but we can begin to sin less. For too many of us, we aren't listening to the Holy Spirit guide us. Every time he speaks, we ignore it. We tell him to be quiet and we smother him and we stifle it. When the Holy Spirit says, don't say that, we say, but I want to say that. That would be a great comeback, right? That would really get them. I want to say it. We don't listen. The Holy Spirit tells us not to go there. We say, hey, look, I got this. Don't worry about it. Be quiet. But honestly, the problem boils down to the fact that we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with self. 
We're filled with ourselves. We're consumed with ourselves. That's a dangerous place to be. And in fact, the Bible tells us that's what the world will look like right before Jesus comes back. We will love ourselves to death. It tells us all about that, describes us that in 2 Timothy 3, 1. It says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Why? How's it going to look? What's going to happen? He says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, always pumping themselves up, worrying about furthering their brand, right? That's how people say it today. They'll be arrogant, having a high opinion of themselves. Abusive, disobedient to parent. That means that they'll think they know better than the people that God put in their life in charge of us. Ungrateful, always money more. Unholy. That means uh, perverse and unclean and thinking and saying just filthy things. Verse 3 says, heartless, unappeasable. Slanderous. It's making up lies, not loving good. Verse 4 says treacherous, reckless. That means just making dumb decisions, not thinking about choices. I like this next part. It says swollen with conceit. That's just a big headed person, inflated with pride, thinking that they know everything. No one can tell them what to change in their lives. Next, it says lover of pleasures rather than lovers of God. I'd rather do fun things than worship God. I'd rather do things that feed my flesh and, you know, maybe pump up my adrenaline rather than worship the God that made me. Verse 5 says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. That's someone that's just religious, and they, and they want everybody else to know it, but really they don't show any fruits of the Holy Spirit. That love, joy, peace tells us to avoid these types of people. From such turn away. This is what it looks like when we deny the Holy Spirit and instead we listen to our body and our pride and our flesh and our emotions and that's, look, I just described to us what America looks like today, right? This is a picture. God's word points it out. People that are lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure. And because of this, we don't care about other people's struggles. And we're guided by ourselves. And we listen to our heart. And we're infatuated with ourselves. And we indulge in ourselves. And we love ourselves to death. But what if we're, we were as full of the Holy Spirit as we are full of ourselves? What if we thought about the Holy Spirit as much as we thought about ourselves? What if we did what the Holy Spirit wanted us to do instead of just what we want to do? It's easy to feel close to God when life is on a roll and things are going good. But it's another thing to be faithful in our thoughts and our words and deeds during the hurricanes of our lives. This last eight months should tell you what you're full of. Are you full of self or are you full of the Holy Spirit? 
These are the times that we need a guide more than ever before. And if you don't have that guide, and if you haven't been listening to it, and your faith isn't rooted and grounded in something real, then I'm telling you, you are in a yo-yo right now. Emotions that are ups and downs, but you need something steady. You need a guide. And Christ left us with that guide. And his name is the Holy Spirit, our helper, our comforter. Sometimes it's hard to stay in God's way in the absence of immediate results, right? Well, I tried that once and it didn't really work out, so I gave up on it. Sometimes it's hard to seek God's purpose when things are out of our control. Sometimes it's hard to do God's will, whether we feel like it or not. We know it's going to hurt, but we don't want to do it because we know it's going to be uncomfortable. It's hard to be satisfied to wait for the rewards in the next life rather than get the rewards right now. Sometimes it's hard to wait to take part in pleasures until it's God's timing. Sometimes it's hard to put our heads down and work to God's glory when we're tired and we're tempted to quit and we're frustrated. It's hard for us to wait. But times like these are a true test of who is guiding us. Our emotions, our comfort, our security, or are we being guided by the Holy Spirit? There have been many times in church history where uh, the church has emptied themselves of themselves and was guided by the Holy Spirit, and God did amazing things things. People's lives were changed and injustices were corrected and society was impacted. There have been times where the church has emptied itself of itself and instead was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God did amazing things. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples right at the beginning, he says, look, if anyone wants to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Do you want to be filled and guided by the Holy Spirit? Do you really? Do you you really want someone else to lead you? Or are you independent? Are you a little bit rebellious, right? We We don't like to follow someone else. I want to be the leader. We see this all the time in Uh, you know, the NFL and the sports, right? There's a guy that's a great defensive coordinator, a great offensive coordinator in football. And all of a sudden he's like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to be the head coach. I want to be the man. And he gets fired after like six months, right? Why? Because he wanted to be the leader when that wasn't his role. And if we're a Christian, we're a follower of Christ. That's the situation we're going to get in. You might say, hey, look, I, I want to lead. But God wants you to take a step back and to surrender and to let him guide you. It says here that whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to commit to giving their life up will find it. And here's the thing that you need to know, and we haven't been faithful as churches in America to tell you this. 
But God is not going to superimpose his mighty and omnipotent power onto your life. No, you have to empty yourself of yourself. And then God will allow you to hear his voice and to follow you. He's not going to put his dynamic power onto your selfish life. Why? Because it's not an add-on thing. It's not just something that you can add on and mix in a little bit of church, mix in a little bit of Christianity, and and it'll go great. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose their life and is willing to let go will find it. But we've got our fists clenched on our plans and our desires and our wants, and we will not let the Holy Spirit guide us. Some people think denying themselves is doing without certain kinds of food or going without sleep or doing without certain pleasures. And they think maybe if they go live in a monastery somewhere that they'll be denying themselves. But the Bible doesn't say, and Jesus doesn't say to deny yourself things. No, he says to deny yourself. You know, Peter forsook his nets to follow Jesus, right? But it was a long time. Simon Peter forsook Simon Peter. It was okay with leaving the little things behind, but once it took putting his pride and his control on the side, he's like, ah, man, I I don't know if I want to do that. And it took the resurrection for him to say, all right, Jesus, I follow you and I'm letting go. Lead me. Self doesn't want to die. We love to express ourselves and to please ourselves and to be ourselves. But are you willing, really willing to say, none of me and all of thee, God? If you're saved, God's given you this Holy Spirit to guide you. But some of us are so full of ourselves that we can't hear the Spirit guiding us. We've got all kinds of thoughts and opinions that we will not let go of and hand over to God. You have a decision. Who is going to lead your life? Who's going to drive your life? You or the Holy Spirit? Can you pray honestly this morning, more of you, God, and less of me? That's the constant uh, process of sanctification and discipleship. Less of me, God, less of me, more of you, more of you. What if you were so full of the Holy Spirit that you were more full of the Holy Spirit than you are of yourself? What if you thought about the Holy Spirit as much as you thought about yourself? What if you did what the Holy Spirit wanted you to do, not just what you wanted to do? What if you were guided by the Holy Spirit all the time? How would your life change? What would it look like? Jesus didn't leave you alone. And you might feel that way sometime, but it's because you haven't decided to give over the control to the guide of your life, the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to follow? Band's going to come. Let's think about that this morning. Are you willing to pray right now? More of you, God, less of me. More of you, less of me. Every day, help me to give another part. Let me surrender another part of me, another piece of me to you. That's the process 
of becoming complete in our Christian walk. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, I want to challenge you to pray that right now. More of you, God, less of me. Maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Maybe you prayed a prayer sometime, joined a church, but you just tried to add something on and there was no real surrender. There was no real repentance. There was no really turning from you and turning to God. Or maybe you've never even taken that step. You've been holding on. You don't want to give up your air of religiosity to say, hey, I got to start over with the right way by calling out and putting my faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that today once and for all. The Bible says we're all sinners. We fall short. There's no way you can work yourself to God. There's no way you can be good enough to get to God. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death. That's separation from God forever. That's what we earn and deserve when we break God's commandments. And every single one of us do it probably every single day. Because of that, we can't get to God. But God came to us. Romans 5, 8 says that God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though you've sinned, Jesus took all your sin, put it on his shoulders, and then he paid the price for it, and then he died and he rose again from the dead, bringing your salvation with him. He broke the chains of sin and death. But here's the thing. You've got to accept that gift. It's, It's handed out to you this morning. But you've got to let go of all your good works and everything you've ever done. And you've got to put your faith on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. You could call out to God right now. The words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. But you could call out this morning, right now, something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. God, forgive me. Forgive me for breaking your law. Forgive me for thumbing my nose your power and your lordship. I put my faith on what Jesus did on the cross and only what Jesus did on the cross to save me. God, forgive me. If that's you this morning and you made that decision once and for all, you're not playing games with God, I'd love for you just to reach out to me today, right after this next song. Let me know because I've got some amazing things to tell you about the next steps. You can email me pwayman at clarksburgbaptistchurch.com or you can find me on Facebook or even just message this uh, live stream, uh, Clarksburg Baptist Church. You can message that. I, I can see it that way as well. I'd love to know about it. 
But the rest of us, you already made that choice. We think it's so complicated to be a Christian, but it's really just going back to that place that we were when we got saved. Saying, God, I surrender. All of it. Guide me. I can't get there. I can't get to you except through you. More of you, God, less of me.